here we are on Yom Kippur. We dress in white. We traditionally are buried in plain white, off-white linen shrouds. And so on this day, we get to posit the future self, the person from the deathbed looking back and saying, from that perspective, how is it that I had wished I had lived? And then channel that into our lives for the coming year, thus satisfying the requirements of Unatana Tokev. Live in such a way that dying is not a sentence, but life is a blessing. There's the old joke that the rabbi told the congregation, what do you want people to say about you at your funeral? And the person says, I want them to say I was a mensch. The rabbi turned over there and said, what do you want people to say at your funeral? And the person said, I want them to say, I left the world better than I found it. And the rabbi pointed over there and said, and you, what do you want people to say at your funeral? And the person said, my God, I think they're still breathing. (laughs) I have noticed in the work that I do that the older a person is when they die and pass from this earth into the next world, the shorter their eulogy gets. We have so much to say when we're younger. I got to tell you, I was going through our stuff. Lynn and I are trying to get lighter with our load. We're not trying to keep things for years and years. So I was clearing out my files, the files of everything I thought was important, my high school journal, my college diary, my grades, you know, my, my papers, all these things. They took up a couple of file cabinets. I'm down to a shoebox, and uh, I'm hoping to go on from there. And one of the things I found when I was cleaning things out over the summer was my CV from my late 30. My gosh, it was three and a half pages long, single-spaced, and I made the font as small as I could. Apparently, I've, I've forgotten all of these accomplishments and courses I taught and distinctions and all these things that I did. It's like, is that really me? I think that my CV today is I'm a rabbi, I'm sort of rabbi in Ann Arbor with a beautiful family. And I think that's all I need my CV to be. As we age... The record of our life, what we need to be remembered, gets shorter and shorter. The longest story of a person and his life is the story of Joseph, of Yosef and Breshid. You know, you think he had a long story with Abraham, it's really only a couple parshiot. Isaac gets like one, sort of. And then you got Yaakov, gets like a good two, maybe two and a half if you count. And then Yosef goes on forever. Joseph, he grew up, he had dreams, his brothers, all of this, the slaves, went became a slave, then he had the issues in Potiphar's house. He goes to jail, he fixes the jail, he comes out of jail, he interprets dreams, does this. Goes on. Then he has the whole charades with his family. It goes on and on and on for a good part of Breshit. When his brothers, he unmasks himself to his brothers finally at the end, and they say, my gosh, you're alive. What have you been doing all of these years? Tell us everything that happened to you. And Yosef says, half a line. I got a chance to save lives. It's all he needs to be remembered by. The longer we live, the shorter our eulogy gets. I came across this organization in uh, Canada. And... They work with seniors. They work with people in the last, let's say, 15, 20, 25 years, perhaps, depending of their lives. And they noticed a pattern, which is that 
for caregivers who are listening and those of us who are caregivers, this is going to resonate with you. At a certain age, we have 10 stories and we repeat them over and over again. Now, this organization was created to give support to caregivers because the the caregivers are like, I keep hearing the same stories over and over again. And so it was support for them. And part of what it said the organization is teaching them is to hear the stories a little differently, not to hear this. And it's not a consequence of dementia. And I don't think it has a neural... If it has a neurological component, it's not a neurological basis. As we get older, our stories decrease and decrease. And they've identified by listening and listening and listening and interviewing, we end up with about 10 stories that we repeat over and over again. I think the Torah is like the stories that our ancestors passed down to us. This is far more true than the superficial and reductionist take on the Torah, that it is an attempt at historical recording. And we could probably say what those 10 stories are. That's probably what we're teaching in the religious school, that infinity didn't have to produce the universe, but it did because partnership creates possibilities that are unpredictable and possible goods that are otherwise impossible, that the human is made in the divine image, unlike the other creatures. And what does that mean? that we are here to till and tend the earth and protect it, that we are our brothers and sisters' keeper, that humanity was ruining the earth. So God started over again, but that won't happen again because this one's for keeps, that it takes a people over generations to change the world, not an individual in one lifetime, that being enslaved and oppressed is probably the worst things humans do to ourselves as collectives, and that the memory of making it to freedom becomes fundamental for purpose. That we are commanded moral imperatives, even as God speaks in different words and voices to each person. That we attribute the good in our lives to the wrong sources, the golden calf. That as much as we are excited to move forward, we seem to always want to move backward. We overvalue the goods of the past more than of the future that our life is spent as a form of wandering, as a journey, and that we best know how to live in the promised land of the future when it is time for the journey to be over and for us to pass it on to others. Abraham Joshua Heschel writes that our scripture is different than any other religion in its makeup, and it's something that connects the Mishnah and the Talmud with the Torah with continuity. Our Torah and the Mishnah and the Talmud, they are a jumbled sort of awkward mixture of laws and stories. And neither gets priority. Halakha and you shall and you shall and you shall and this is the way to keep kosher and these are the laws of Shabbos and this is the law of treating each other and here's the case law and stories in between, stories mixed together. Heschel writes, Halakha represents the strength to shape one's life according to a fixed pattern. It is a form-giving force. Agadah, story, is the expression of our ceaseless striving 
that often defies all limitations. Halakha is the rationalization and schematization of living. It defines, specifies, sets measure and limit, placing life into an exact system. Adada, stories, deal with our ineffable relations to God, to other human beings, and to the world. Halakha deals with details, each commandment separately. Agada with the whole of life, with the totality of our lives. Halakha deals with the law, agada with the meaning of the law. Halakha with subjects that can be expressed literally, agada introduces us to a realm that lies beyond the range of expression. Halakha teaches us how to perform common acts, agada tells us how to participate in the eternal drama. Halakha gives us knowledge. Agada gives us aspiration. Halakha, the norms for action. Agada, the vision of the ends of living. Halakha prescribes. Agada suggests. Halakha decrees. Our stories inspire. Halakha is definite. Agada eludes. The interrelationship of halakha and agada, according to Heschel, is the very heart of Judaism. He writes, halakha without agada is dead. Agada without halakha is wild. So our stories and our laws are mixed together with quite the opposite of smoothness. One would think that our stories are illustrations of our laws, like a good law school course, but actually our stories generally are intention with the laws themselves. God's delivering the Ten Commandments in Mount Sinai, but the story is that people are scared and want to get away. God is delivering the laws to Moses for 40 days and 40 nights. Meanwhile, there's a golden calf being made, or the many strange interruptions in the Talmud and the Mishnah that make a life of Talmud study seem like one's always starting from the beginning. The rabbis decreed that chicken should be considered like meat, and so no one may eat dairy with it. But one day, there was a rabbi who kept eating dairy with his chicken. And that is why we have maradaatras. That is why God wants us to have individual rabbis ruling for their own communities. Because of a rabbi who ate dairy with his chicken. I think it means it's better that we're not all the same. You're in the middle of the laws of homeowners associations. And it says... If you don't like what the HOA is doing, can you vote against it? And they say, you can vote against it, but if you lose, you still have to pay. And they say, we'll give you an example. HOAs sometimes like to get a, a guard, to guard the in and out. So once time, and then it says, once a time, there was an HOA. And they put a guard for people entering the common area and who were not entering the common area. And that's what the law is. But there once was a man who used to feed a poor beggar in one community. And after they got a guard, the beggar couldn't get in. Turns out the beggar was just Elijah the prophet. You know, the one who can look like any poor or sick beggar on the street, but is the one who decides and announces when the Messiah is going to come. Events are the voice of God entering the world, says Heschel. I was struck, speaking of a short eulogy, my family collected for my father's 90th birthday. Hard to collect, hard to get there. It was over COVID. There was a lot of driving a lot of eating in the car, a lot of running in, holding one's breath to grab a glass of water somewhere on the way and get gas. We all collect. And I put on the recorder and I say, my dad's a rabbi, by the way, for you who don't know, he's streaming the service right now, they're members. So I said, Dad, I know you. 
you got a speech. And he said, heck yeah, I have a speech. I'm ready to go. And his speech was this. All of those things on my CV, all of those things that I've, are my accomplishments in my life, they all happened to me. He kept saying, the best things in life happened to me. This is a man who spent a couple years in Korea serving, not knowing if when he came back, he would be able to marry my mother, who was waiting for him, strangely enough, here in Ann Arbor. The best things in life happened in Ann Arbor. No, the best things in life happened to me. But that happened to him, he says, getting to be with my mother, getting to have a great synagogue, You know, we interview you, we do these things. It happened to me. I got to have a great community. I got to be in a rabbi. These kids were so much trouble. They happened to me. His eulogy after a life of accomplishments was, it's short. If Joseph said, I got to save lives, I was lucky. My father says, the best things in life happen to me. The things others would call my achievements, they happen to me. And I think of what Heschel said about about revelation that produces your stories. It's not merely an act of experience, but an act of being experienced. These 10 stories that people tell. What they've identified in these stories is that this person, we, are trying to make a point. And we're not sure how to make it, so we have to allude to it in Heschel's terms. You see, in halakha, it's easy. God spoke, and we wrote it down. But in the stories, God is in the stories but doesn't make an appearance because it's the presence of God alluding through life. In my story, I studied hard and wrote an essay and I got into that school. But if I keep saying it, the real story is where God was in all of that. How lucky was I? What happened to make it possible for me to go down that road? They find that the stories often come from your 20s and 30s. Times where you feel something, I think for the Jewish people it was the Exodus, some time that gave you direction and in which the values that you were experimenting with once settled and hooked in. That's God's voice. When we're going through it, we think we did it. When we look back in our shrouds, we realize the hand of God was working through all. What we want to do with our stories is not just leave them as, I need to tell you again about when I served in Korea. I need to tell you again about when I served in Vietnam. What we are being asked to do is to go further and tell those listening to our stories what are the intimations of God and our values that we want heard and that we want passed on. I keep going back to the army, even though I'm 94, 
I felt part of a bond with people I've only felt with my family since. You need to bond with people and learn community. We've got to start spelling out the stories that we're telling, because if we just tell our stories over and over, it's just a bunch of chatter, and it probably includes a lot of complaining that people get tired of hearing about. We have to show people where our values and God are coming through our stories.